Welcome to episode 94 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo. Thank you for choosing to spend the next 30 minutes with me. Whether this is your first or your 94th episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, and maybe even change your life. As you know, we spend a lot of time talking about introverts and business on this show. But you also know that I have guests who are extroverts, and we learn a lot from them. I feel strongly that just as we want extroverts to learn about and from us introverts, it definitely goes the other way around, too. Extroverts can be as prone to stereotypes as introverts are. It's true, absolutely, that they tend to have more positive words associated with them, like friendly or outgoing, social or energetic. They can also be on the receiving end of some less flattering descriptors, like loud, attention hog, or too talkative. Without making an effort to understand and appreciate our differences, introverts can be as intolerant of extroverts as we feel extroverts can be of us. So my guest today, Jennifer Conweiler, is going to help us bridge that gap by sharing ways that introverts and extroverts can work together to be more productive and creative. But before we get to that, I want to share quickly that we are almost to launch date for my new book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms. It's available for pre-order now, but November 3rd is its official birthday. I think I mentioned way back when that I was developing an online program that goes along with the book, and that is still in development. We'll be launching in January, and it's the perfect way to take what you read in the book and put it into action for your business. So stay tuned for more on that in the coming months. Also, towards the end of this episode, I share what has worked in my own experience when dealing with, and I do mean dealing with in this case, an especially chatty conversation partner. Be sure to listen all the way to the end um, for that piece of information before we sign off. And remember, too, that you can find show notes for this episode, which include the resources mentioned, including Jennifer's Introvert Island book choices, and ways to connect with her, you can find all of that on my website, theintrovertentrepreneur.com. And now on to the conversation. I've known Jennifer Conweiler for several years now, and while we've never met in person, I do consider her to be a valued colleague and a trusted resource. Jennifer B. Conweiler, PhD, Certified Speaking Professional, is a best-selling author and global keynote speaker who is known as the champion of introverts. In addition to her latest book, The Genius of Opposites, she has written two best-selling books about introverts. They were called Quiet Influence and The Introverted Leader which have been translated into 14 languages. Jennifer has worked with hundreds of organizations, including GE, CNN, NASA, and the CDC. Jennifer's commitment to introverts started the day she married one. Since then, she's helped organizations value the introverts on their teams and coached introverted individuals to step confidently into leadership positions. Jennifer, welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm excited to talk to you about opposites today. Well, I'm excited to be here, Beth, once again. Yes, encore performance. What's making you smile today? Well, it's being on your podcast, for one. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I still have residual smiles, Beth, from visiting my uh, our granddaughter in Denver, who's going to be two. Mm-hmm. We babysat her for a couple of days, and it was just a joy. So uh, I, I still am listening and hearing uh, 
the wheels on the bus. You know, remember that song? And with all the gestures, which she was teaching me. And uh, so we had a lot of fun with her. It was great. I'm still, it's, I have residual effects from that one. <laughs> yes, definitely. We call those earworms when yes. the, the song gets into your head and you can't get rid of it. And oh, I love that term. Wheels on the bus is definitely earworm material. So <laughs> <laughs> that's better than what my friend uh, Barbara McAvee talks about the uh, brain rat. She has a song, oh. Brain Rats. Those are the negative things that get caught in your head, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, I know from reading your books and our previous conversations that you strongly identify as an extrovert. So, of course, the question comes up, how did you become a champion for introverts? Well, that is true. I am an extrovert. I wouldn't say at this point in my life I'm a flaming extrovert, as some <laughs> describe themselves. Right. I have moved a little bit more moderately uh, towards the middle. But I'll tell you what, Beth, I was working in organizations in leadership development roles in HR coaching. And time and time again, I would see introverts who you know, either didn't think that they could aspire towards leadership positions or they were being passed over, ignored, and just not understood. And I could see in a very sad kind of way almost, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I could see that their confidence was diminishing tremendously as these opportunities would pass them by or their frustrations would build up. So I really started to look at introversion. I knew about it personally, and I knew about having an understanding of the dimensions of introversion and extroversion and what that could do for you in my own life uh, with uh, Bill, who I've talked about, I think, before on this podcast. And mm-hmm. in my keynotes, I discuss Bill a lot. So because Bill was my training ground and continues to be because he's a real introvert, and we've been married many years. And and so I, I knew that it helped me in my relationship. So mm-hmm. I, I, I thought there had to be a way that there we could apply more of these principles in the workplace. Lovely. And we're all better for it. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and and you, are, you seem to um, personify what I always identify as like a very aware extrovert, because not all extroverts will notice that about the introverts around them and thank kind you. of, you know, pick up on that energy. So um, thank you for carrying that torch and being one of those very aware extroverts. Well, thank you. And that's the biggest compliment I can get from somebody who's an introvert advocate like you, <laughs> that, you know, you get me. Yes. And uh, that's very, very helpful. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, I want to dive into your latest book, which is called The Genius of Opposites. And you're talking about introvert extrovert partnerships and and how much creativity and innovation and you know contributions to the world that can come from that sometimes i want to start maybe on a baseline because as i read the book i thought well these partnerships that you're describing you know so many wonderful stories I'm guessing they had to start somewhere with the conversation. Like they just, they didn't just come to the table and say, you know, I'm aware of this issue. I know exactly what it's all about. And so let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to start somewhere. So particularly if I'm an introvert in an introvert extrovert team, and I want to just start the conversation um, in yes. addition to your book, <laughs> right. what, what can help get that, raise this topic? Well, the good news for introverts is introverts have a lot of strengths, as you know, personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having, first of all, that awareness of even the topic of introversion, like knowing what it was, like some of those partnerships that you're referring to, both the kind of the famous ones, you know, like, uh, you know, Jobs and Woz, for instance, you Mm -hmm. know, they probably never actually talked about the word introvert, but yet they worked out, you know, and worked through conflicts and differences. Um, But I think the advantage for introverts today is they have that language number one, um, to talk about, you know, to use as another lens that we can discuss in our, in in how we do our work, 
Because I think that's where a lot of the trip-ups I have found in my work have come up. It's not so much what we're working on, but how are we getting there? Mm-hmm. And so we get caught up in that, you know, in, that, in those differences. So introverts, number one, can really prepare. You know, they can prepare what is it they want to talk to the extrovert about if they're approaching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and make it so the extrovert has a little time to think about it, too. So I'd like to, you know, have some time to talk to you about uh, just how we're working together. You don't have to make it like a therapy session, you know. Right. But it's like That's how we're getting the work done. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're, right. There have been some there have been some bumps and there have been some things get along, but I think it's important that we bring it up. And I find that a lot of times introverts are afraid to bring that up and don't want to you know, put it on the table, but just kind of leaving it open-ended and not threatening is a good way, I think, to start the conversation. And, um, and then when you're in that session, you're going to have a discussion with them, you know, you could do a couple of things. You can bring up specifics about, you know, what, like for instance, let's take a look at our last project, you know, and, and look about what worked and what didn't. Again, kind of keeping it open-ended, mm-hmm. then you could bring up some things. Well, I thought, you know, there was this problem and perhaps I didn't get a chance to speak up to the client enough. And it just gives you a you know, a forum when you can talk about specifics. So that would be another thing. And, you know, when you mentioned the book, there is um, one of the reasons I designed the quiz that I put in the book, but I also have it actually uh, free on my website, jenniferconwaller.com. It, it is a tool to have that conversation. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it assesses how you're doing in the areas that uh, are very important for success as an opposite partnership. And then you can use that in almost a non-threatening way to say, you know, I took this quiz and, or let's take it and kind of compare results. So we're not, you know, again, not making it head to head, talking about all the issues in our relationship, but Mm -hmm. it'll give us something that we can refer to. So I think those would be uh, a couple of the key ways to perhaps for an introvert to bring it up. I'd also be interested in seeing what resonates with you on that or if you have anything to add. Well, what I love about the quiz that you include in the book is is just Mm -hmm. as you say, it it introduces an objective tool into the conversation. Yes. So it's not a personal, you know, mm-hmm. I feel talked over, or I don't feel like I have enough space, or I feel like I have to carry all the weight when we are meeting with people. You know, it depersonalizes it to some degree. Yes, and, exactly. and so those kinds of tools, I think, are, are extremely valuable to being a catalyst for the conversation. Right, exactly. That's totally what my purpose was in doing that. And it's also a way for you to track how you're doing because I, I have interviewed and I, I work in my coaching with uh, some partnerships where the one of them is or both are very much around metrics. You know, they love to mm-hmm. measure how they're doing. And so that answers that need too because if you determine, for instance, that clients, uh, we assess ourselves, here's just one example, clients tell us they benefit from our diverse and divergent opinions. You know, that could be food for thought. And you, just, you see how you're doing on that. How do you both yeah. feel? you're doing with this client or with in general with clients and then you go back to that a few months later and see if you've improved Um, and I think that's how you grow a business that's how you grow a partnership you know this is a little off the track of what I was originally going to ask you but you just brought up a good point about you know sometimes when we're brought into an organization we are told in part that it's because you're going to bring a different energy you know, you, you're, you're different from the rest of us. We all like to talk and you're a thinker or we're all thinkers and we need your higher, you know, more verbal energy. But yet when that person gets in there, the very opposite thing that they were told that was valued, actually they're almost uh, not forced, but, you know, there's pressure to assimilate. Mm-hmm. So the person who was told, yes, we really value your your quiet presence and your thoughtfulness and all of a sudden is getting feedback. You need to speak up more. 
right, right or, exactly. or the talker is told you need to pipe down. How do you, you know, I, I'm not sure what my question is around that, except to just to make that observation yeah. and, and say, what's been your experience with that sort of thing? Uh, well, I think the key that, and again, I'll go back to the introvert strength, but I think in this book, we also have to, you know, as I'm looking at this work, The Genius of Opposites, we really want to look at what do we both bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, the things, where we, the areas in which where we can get together is to have a conversation. I mean, I think, you know, we can also use the idea to kind of put our ideas out in email, which is, a, you know, obviously writing is a strength of introverts and we can do that we can get out our thoughts but I think the real work happens when you talk about organizations Beth it happens at the individual level don't, mm-hmm. don't you think I mean yes. that's how you get work done I mean that's how you get your paycheck paid <laughs> that's how you yeah. get jobs it's through and we might call it networking but it's how relationships are built and by the way introverts are really good in those deep kind of thoughtful connections and extroverts thrive on talking <laughs> so I think if we could if we can speak to that you know so that as a, as a vehicle let's have some more conversations one-on-one and one of the techniques you know I have in the book that I didn't make up but uh, a merchant Miss Merchant came up with that idea and that was about the walking meeting or she wrote a piece about it yeah. and you know right it's getting a lot of press um, this whole idea of let's get outside and let's get away from the office and and the introvert will feel less threatened you know with the, the extrovert kind of throwing the cross-examination at them. Right. And the extrovert can, on the other hand, you know, express their ideas and not make this a very tense situation. So there's strategies and techniques, but I think it really does come down to talking to each other. And I think the avoidance of conflict is one of the biggest issues. I, I just keep hearing it in every realm of our society right now yeah. that people, people are unwilling to really talk about what's real and what's happening. And uh, and then I think the introvert, what I've seen happening, because there is some avoidance of conflict, introverts will continually feel less confident in bringing up things. Because yeah. the extrovert won't let them talk, like you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, we are definitely going to dive a little bit deeper into that point, because mm-hmm. um, that's something I picked up from the book that immediately, as an introvert, touched a, a nerve with me. And I, and I say that not in a negative way, but it just was like, oh, yeah, I can see why that would be so important. And that is what you call bring on the battles, which that's is right. about that conflict. So that's I'm going right. to circle back to that. But before we get into that particular piece, I'd love for you to give us an overview of the five steps that are part of this process of an introvert-extrovert team really becoming a a powerful unit. Sure, sure. Um, And it's called the Genius of Opposites Process. And, you know, with all of my frameworks, I have a framework in each book, The Introverted Leader and um, Quiet Influence. And now with The Genius of Opposites, the third book, I always find that people really find that the the framework to have a model or a process to hang their hat on to Mm -hmm. address is helpful. So I have to thank my editors for helping me with the (laughs) A, B, C, D, E, (laughs) because it is a little bit catchy. You can kind of remember it. So it starts with A, accept the alien. And, and really what that means is kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying, really, you can't change that other person. We know that, Beth, right? Right. I mean, you just can't change them. You, but you can do your best to understand them. And you talked about the extrovert understanding the introvert and having some more empathy and understanding. Um, it, that's really key. And once you're able to do that, once you can understand okay, I'm not going to change them. And believe me, that's a daily struggle for me. You know, mm-hmm. I find in trying to, it's like, why wouldn't they, why can't they be different? But once you let that go, then you are in for so much less stress. It's just really apparent. Um, and that, I think, for all a lot of us who were introduced to these instruments, and you may agree with that, years ago, wasn't that a big sort of sigh of relief? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. that objective information validation. Yes. 
Yes. yes. I'm not going to change them. I just can't. So let me right. move on and let's see how we can yes. like take their strengths. Let me not try to mold them into a mini Jennifer, you know, which I tried to do with my, uh, my early employees on my teams until mm-hmm. I realized I hit a wall. You know, I write yeah. about that in the book. And so bring on the battles. That's the B. That's the one you're talking about. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But in, just briefly, it's about seeing disagreement as really key and necessary to arrive at the better outcomes that you want to get because you, what you do there is you challenge each other. You have different perspectives and you challenge each other to come up with the better solutions than you might have ever had on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I read this piece about the Wright brothers, you know, obviously we all wouldn't be, you know, flying today <laughs> without them. And mm-hmm. they used to have these just incredible fights. Like the mechanic who worked with them said he couldn't even stand to be in the garage with them when they, <laughs> they wow. were fighting, but then they'd come back in and they'd switch positions. You know, they'd have the opposite position. So bringing on the battle was just how they got their work done and, and they, they came to the results that they did. And um, there's so many examples of that. And they don't always have to be knocked down, drag out fights for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, without conflict, you know, we really don't have progress. And then C is cast the character, and that's about knowing each person's role. Like, what is the role we're going to take? And we cast each other so that we bring out our best, the opposite's best in that role. So if the person is a better front person with the customer, and maybe you're playing a more of a back room sort of situation, and that works for you guys, then that works. But being clear about that. Mm -hmm. And the other piece that I found in the interviews I did with over 40 very successful, mostly successful opposites, that um, they share the credit, Beth. They don't mm-hmm. try, one doesn't grandstand. You right. know, they don't, it doesn't matter who got that win, they both share that. So it's pretty cool to see that. And then D is destroy the dislike. <laughs> and that was one of the surprising things for me. I don't know why it was surprising, but when I did looked at all the themes that came up from my interviews, what I found is there was a lot of fun in these successful opposites. Mm-hmm. They act like friends. You know, They don't necessarily hang out on the weekend at each other's families or anything, but they decide that the workplace is important to have fun. And so there's laughter. They talk openly. They kid each other mercifully sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, they just, you know, you think like, really? <laughs> but this kind of affectionate sort of thing, if, to use that kind of word in the workplace, I don't know. But you, you, I think you know what I mean. Yes. Um, in terms of that destroying the dislike, be acting like friends. And uh, let's see, five, the final one is E. And that's, uh, when I say five, it's E. Each can't offer everything. And that's that's really important to know that you both each of you can't offer everything to a client and so or to the customer or anybody you're trying to influence. And that's so for the best diversity, you have to work together to give those folks you're trying to influence and sell to or whatever you're doing with them is to provide the widest range. And you can do that as a partnership. And in fact, those people on the receiving end say time and time again, I really liked having those different views from you. You balance each other. You pr- even even if you disagreed sometimes in front of me, mm-hmm. that was okay, you know, in a polite way mm-hmm. or in a respectful way because I saw that there were different ways to look at this problem. And so it's just great minds working together. And, I, and it's really, I've talked about this being more exponential than it is additive. Mm-hmm. So because it's what happens when you have that philosophy in mind. So it's the five things, you know, accept the alien, bring on the battles, cast the character, destroy the dislike, and each can't offer everything. And as I say, the quiz really addresses all of those. 
I got the impression as I, I kept thinking as I was reading the book that what you're setting up is like one plus one equals five. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> or, even 10, exp- or even 10. Who knows? 10, 20. <laughs> right, you know? 20 it's an right. exponential part of it. And I remember there was one person who equated it to music and mm-hmm. said something like, if you don't have different notes, it becomes very monotone. You exactly. need the different the notes harmony. to make up. You need the exactly. harmony. Exactly. And I think you're a musician, as I recall. I am. Right? That's oh, one yeah. reason why that stood out to me. Yes. <laughs> but isn't that true? Yes. It, it's the, it's yes. not just note and note. It's harmony. It's a beautiful sound that comes up from that. Yeah. And in fact, the person who said that was, we had talked earlier about, you know, who were one of my favorite pairs I interviewed, and that was Anthony mm-hmm. and Errol from Australia, who really demonstrated all of these five qualities. And uh, they've had fun together. They have achieved results. And by the way, uh, the partnerships who are successful, these opposites, really do focus on the results. That's a key theme that came up, too, that they really look at what am I getting, you know, where are we headed? What are we trying to do? And don't get caught up in all the kind of messy stuff, you know, that can keep them off track. But what that, what Errol and Anthony were so different. In fact, I asked them to send me a headshot after we had met. I was fortunate enough to meet them in person when I was in Australia and Melbourne. They have a very successful company that's growing by leaps and bounds It's uh, that does uh, worldwide online training. And they work with Stanford and Georgia Tech and a lot of the universities. They've been really growing, growing their company in, in major ways and um, have been at it a while. And they are just so different. You know, Errol's the cowboy boots and the... You know, the turquoise cowboy boots. The turquoise, boots he, I saw. Right, he's the one in San Francisco, right, who bought those. And Anthony wears his old, he calls them his old brown shoes, you know, that he got down at the corner. And I so when I said to them, you know, send me a headshot, uh, the funny thing was they sent a headshot with a lampshade on uh, Anthony's head, and Errol had no <laughs> lampshade. So I like to use that use that photograph sometimes to say, you know, what who do you think is the introvert and extrovert? But they're so interchangeable. They're such genius there in terms of what happens. Yeah, they, they get they get into disagreements. They definitely bring on the battles. But yeah. um, you can just feel it when you talk to them about the, the incredible uh, impact of those opposites. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the bring on the battles, because of all of the five elements of the process, that one seemed like it could be potentially the most stressful, um, because yeah. we usually think of conflict and, and disagreement as a situation where one person is going to win and the other person is going to lose. And thanks to Stephen Covey and, and lots of other folks, you know, we've been told, you know, we've, we've been given some tools about win-win. But I Mm -hmm. think sometimes that can, we can forget that, you know, it's like, it's something we say, yeah, yeah, that's good in theory. But in practice, there's really a winner and loser, right? Right. Um, So how can, how can we set up the the battles for a win-win success? Well, I I think conflict, as I mentioned earlier, is one of the biggest bugaboos that that strikes all of us. But I think there's some things to think about how we reframe conflict in our own mind, Beth. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of us run the other way, but it really is normal and it's natural and it's even necessary for a successful opposite pair to have conflict or else you don't reach those great results. If you think about when you have had a a, a stronger relationship that's come out of it or you've achieved, uh, you know, with a team Somebody was very different than you, but you work together to, to reach the goal. You know, there's a lot of satisfaction in that, and plus your organization is gaining. So I think we really need to look at how we're viewing conflict. The actual dictionary definition of conflict is any disagreement between two people. Hmm, and, pretty simple. You know, that, right? Isn't that simple? But we load it, don't we, with yes. a lot of words or assumptions. So I think there are a couple of things, you know, once we reframe it, and then to remember it from the introvert-extrovert angle, 
to remember energy differences. You know, that the your introverted partner may really stress out from too much people time as you're trying to solve problems and work on things and engage. And uh, the extrovert under stress will get very hyped up. So it's important to just be aware of just that kind of energy and kind of touch base with each other when you're having these discussions or in this engagement. Um, say what you want is another thing. You know, I mean, you really, we need to be honest with each other, as I said. And sometimes we have to take a private space to do that, mm-hmm. you know, to let them, the extrovert might need to just get it out, get it off. Like a, an extrovert said to me recently, I need to download. I just tell my partner, <laughs> I need to download. Perfect. It's like, okay. <laughs> so I'm downloading now. Just get out your frustration and then we can move on. Because what happens is as we bottle these up, you know, these thoughts and feelings, they, they just, if things don't get better. You know, they just inevitably don't get better. So we need to let them talk. And it may be that the introvert needs to write about it, either to themselves or the other person, to just, you know, have you ever written an email where you just didn't send it to somebody? Right, right. Smart idea not to send. Yes. <laughs> don't don't make a mistake send. of pressing send, right? Yeah. Right. So those kind of things. And um, I, I think sometimes, I, I'm using an example in the book about bringing in a third party. I mean, that's an option because we mm-hmm. get so, particularly on these intense projects, we get so... Uh, just kind of focused on our own position and we really it's really hard for us to see the the other view um if you've ever had a disagreement with a neighbor i mean i know that's been where my one of my hot spots is (laughs) and then every time you see that neighbor you you just want to you can feel the juices going well sometimes at the workplace it's very helpful to bring in a third party and that really uh i use the example in my book about when my husband Bill and I were writing our first book, not we never did write another one because <laughs> of the conflict, but we did learn what worked for us. But yeah. we did bring in our editor. We had several calls to her, and she was a third-party mediator um, that, you know, that kind of calmed us down and got us refocused. And uh, it is funny. You do sort of behave, you know, when you've when you got somebody else, you, mm-hmm. not just in a relationship, a personal relationship. But um, I, I had one partnership tell me recently that they were in their office, and they just decided to go to the local Starbucks to have a discussion and that sort of reframed it yes and they realized they were with other people yep. and uh, you know they could calm down a little bit but um, I think I had a quote or I read recently I think I have a, in the book about Francis Crick saying that you know the politeness is like our death or something I'm paraphrasing mm. he said the death knell to real collaboration is politeness wow. so not that we need to be impolite but we do need right. to say say speak our truth as is said yes yeah absolutely I mean politeness is is uh, civility is yes. you know absolutely necessary and just as something that is a strength can be a weakness something as positive as politeness can definitely become the obstacle it definitely can and and just again keeping in mind that when we are under stress Mm-hmm. We, those qualities that we have are exacerbated. So if we're very thoughtful and reflective as an introvert, we're kind of thinking things through, we might do that more when really we need to speak up. And as an extrovert, we're going to just say whatever comes to mind because we're stressed out. So it not only just understanding your partner's energy, but also really taking stock of yourself pretty often. You Absolutely. know, what's going on with me, right? Instead yes. of pointing the finger. Yeah, that's what I find so powerful about what you just shared is that reminder to understand yourself and to remember how you are under stress because conflict in and of itself does not need to be stressful, yet we often enter into it from that place of stress. And so if we understand better how we show up and then what the antidote to that stress is, yeah. it, it ends up being more of a conversation than a conflict. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Um, that's a be- that's tweetable, Beth. That's tweet- <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I wonder if it's 144 characters. I, we'll have to I doubt it. Even one. though I'm an introvert, I can be rather verbose. So even 140 <laughs> characters is a challenge for me. 
So I want to I want to um, close by asking about you personally and in your life. You know, as we established in the beginning, you know, you you lean towards the extrovert side of the spectrum. What relationship in your life has embodied the genius of opposites? Well, you know, there have been many, but I, I two that I've been involved with recently have been my the last few years have been uh, two women who I have enormous respect for, and I guess these would be two different genius of opposites relationship, who are both vice presidents at Barra Kohler, my publisher, uh, Kristen France and Joanna Vondeling. We've had a chance to work on uh, not only the book but other projects globally, and. It has been just an incredible uh, microcosm for me of how an opposite team can work because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we haven't had too many agreements because I think we do laugh. We do a lot of that destroy the dislike. <laughs> but right. when they're, when they're, and I think the reason we haven't is, is not only do we just, we just respect our differences and cast the character for the right situation. And, you know, we know we each can't offer everything. We work with some third party other companies with, that are associated with the publisher. And it's always so smooth. And I, I keep looking, why is that? And, I think that we just balance each other really beautifully on, on the introvert, extrovert angle, uh, and certainly several others. But um, And I just have become friends with these two women and, and uh, very much respect. They're extremely introverted, but mm-hmm. I think we really, really balance each other out, and, and uh, they become good friends. So those are, those are my current, uh, two of my current examples. I have many more, and I, you know, I seek out introverts like you, Beth. So yeah. uh, <laughs> Exactly. You'll be my next one. You I have talk lots about of them. On a show. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. What do you mean? What do you mean? I need you guys for my work. So I know. I know. I you better be, be nice friends. to you, right? <laughs> exactly. You better win our good graces. There you go. <laughs> so the genius of opposites came out August seventeenth. Right. Am I remembering right. that right? That's Excellent. Correct. So, Very good. Yeah, excellent. So I, I hope that you're experiencing lots of success and so much success that you're exhausted, actually, and <laughs> that you good, need a vacation. In a good way. <laughs> in a good way, in a positive yeah. way. You need right. a vacation. And so we're going to ship you off to Introvert Island for Ooh. just three weeks. like it. I like yeah. it. You can only take three books with you during that time. What mm-hmm. would you take with you and why? First book I would take would be a, any of the poetry books by Mary Oliver. Oh, yes. I love Mary Oliver. And particularly, I'm really into her poem now, The Summer Day, Mm. you know, where she says, you know, tell me what to do. That's the famous line. Tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. She's always spoken to me. So I I have to I I couldn't say the one book, but any book by hers would be would be beautiful. Um, And then a journal, because Mm -hmm. I would have no excuse not to journal as much as I'd like to. (laughs) And it would really be a great way. That's how I write my books. I journal and then I take ideas from that. So journaling to me is is a beautiful self-expression and helps me a lot. And then I think the third book I would take would be a current juicy novel. Uh, so what's top of mind right now is Purity by uh, by Jonathan Franzen. I love yeah. his books. I was just and I think about I would, that. Yeah, yeah. And I think I would have a chance to sort of really play with it, absorb it piece by piece. And that would be really a delicious gift. Yeah, no distractions. How wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Um, what is the best way for people to reach you and learn more about you, your three books, and, and what you have to offer? Well, the website is very simple. It's as long as you can spell my name. It's Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer J E N N I F E R Conweiler, and that's K A H N W E I 
L-E-R.com. And we've just updated the website. It's got lots of different resources, including the quiz that I mentioned and all the different programs that I offer in speaking and coaching. And I uh, just would love to connect with people also on Twitter. I'm very active there and on Facebook under my name, Jennifer Conweiler, and uh, just become part of the community that we've been developing and also with wonderful people like you, Beth, as well. Terrific. And I can't, by the way, I can't wait for your book to come out, The oh. Entrepreneur. Thank you and, so much. Uh, we're going to look for some opposites, uh, genius opposites in those folks as well. I'm, I'm sure. Absolutely. So thank you so much. And I've so appreciated your support and your colleagueship. I don't know if that's a word, but. Well, we have a little, we have a little Collegiality. Group here. Collegiality. I think Collegiality. that's a great word. Yeah. We have a, a wonderful example of uh, folks who have banded together under the introvert uh, champion yes. umbrella. So yes. uh, like Susan Kane and Sophia and uh, Nancy and Ankowitz. Right, right, yeah, exactly. It's great. So, it's great. And all women, too. That's really interesting. I know. Interesting. Well, we got to get some guys in there, right? I know. I, I think it would bring a different energy, you know? So, <laughs> excellent. Well, thank you so much for your generous sharing and every wish for success with the genius of opposites. <laughs> I well, have to you say, for... your your book, having typed it so many times now, I now can spell opposites right the first oh, time. Oh, I'm so glad. You I know, thought you were going to say genius. <laughs> no. Opposites is one of those words where I'm like, is it two P's or two S's? You know. <laughs> well, thank you for being one of my genius opposites, Beth, oh, thank for having you. me on today and, yes. and want to say hello to everybody out there. Thanks. Thank you, Jennifer. I really do highly recommend Jennifer's book. It's so full of practical information and examples, and it is definitely not just for the workplace. The tools that she offers can be applied to personal relationships as well. You'll find the link to the book in the show notes for this episode at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. If you find value in these podcasts, I invite you to take a moment to stop by iTunes and leave a short review, become a subscriber if you're not already, and share this with your family and friends. I do welcome your feedback, so please reach out to me anytime. You can find me at beth at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. As promised, in closing, I want to share a bit of what I've observed and learned about talking with the chatty Cathy's in my life, or should I say mostly listening to the chatty Cathy's in my life. When I'm in conversation with a really talkative person, and I'm not saying extrovert because I don't want to assume that that person is an extrovert, although I have to admit they often are. When I'm in that kind of conversation, I have a visual and it's of Tetris blocks. You might be familiar with that game uh, Tetris. I think it was all the rage, you know, back uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, and maybe it's still being played. But if you recall, you know, there were blocks of different sizes, and you had to arrange the blocks as they were falling so that they stacked up evenly and neatly. And often when I'm in a conversation with an extrovert or a talkative person, it feels like everything they're saying to me, each word, each sentence is like another Tetris block. And the blocks, the words keep falling down the empty screen and settling on the bottom. And then they start stacking up and stacking up and stacking up. And before I know it, they're all the way to the top and there's no more room. <laughs> you know, it's, it's saturated. It's, you know, there's no room there. And it's usually at that point that the other person stops talking and says, so what do you think? And so when that person stops talking and says, hey, what do you think? I'm so full, I, I can't remember. You know, my thought was maybe about, you know, a third of the way down the, the screen of Tetris blocks, and it's long been buried. So 
because those thoughts can um, stack up like that, I've got a couple, I've got, actually, I have one way of thinking about this that is for your consideration. And that is a certain level of acceptance and getting comfortable with a few things. First, get comfortable with learning to wait patiently. And when there's an opportunity, sharing only one of the 20 brilliant thoughts that you had while the other person was talking. So wait for that opportunity and then be resigned just to share that one gem. Learn to politely but firmly interrupt the other person. This is something that, of course, that can be debated, but extroverts tend to see interrupting as engagement or excitement, whereas introverts will often see it as rude. Of course, it depends on the situation and the people. But if we as introverts can remember that extroverts might be expecting us to interrupt, that gives us permission. And so, you know, do it politely, but, you know, test the waters and see if interrupting is going to allow you to interject your thoughts. And then last, but not least... Release any expectation that you'll get to share those thoughts and just let them go. So if all else fails, just let it go. Don't hold on to them waiting for an opportunity to share them because then, you know, your, your Tetris blocks are all building up and, and you can't breathe anymore. And all too often the moment passes and our thoughts aren't on topic anymore. And often that's because the topic is a moving target. We can save ourselves from wasting a lot of energy and frustration by just letting the thought go and moving on. Admittedly, this does not feel particularly satisfying, and I really hope that it's not a regular occurrence for you, but it can keep you from feeling like you've been run over by a truck by the end of the conversation, and it can keep you from you know, feeling resentment or frustration towards the other person. Of course, if you have something that's really important that you do want to hang on to, hang on to it and share it. What I'm mainly talking about are those everyday conversations where we we feel like what we want to say is really important, and it probably is. And we have to sort of judge, is this the, is this the conversation hill that I want to die on? <laughs> you know, do I really want to throw myself in here or do I just want to let it go? Well, thank you so much for listening with me. Um, a special shout out to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, for his awesome work and for you for sharing this time with me. If you want to learn more about my coaching, speaking, and other services, as well as the new book, please visit my website. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. <laughs>